king wave fucks beard lock is acting very weird captain pike disco's wife cling on the afterlife boimler tendy's dog ransom is very hard for drive black alert georgio has gone berserk Teacher, bad left, Edward is an idiot, Fuck is dead, Wolf is wed, Chekhov's wearing red. Peter's cat, Kim Pack's cat, you have said enough of that. Beam me up, make it so, everybody let's go. We are Well, good evening, Trekkies and Trekkers around the globe. It is Thursday, November 10th, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. That means we're live. That means you can call 646-668-2433 and join in the festivities. And we've got lots of festivities for you guys tonight. We're going to be talking about Star Trek Prodigy, Let Sleeping Borg Lie. Geez, I wonder, I wonder what that, you think the Borg might be in that one? I wonder. We're going to talk about it, so stick around and find out. But wait, there's more. We have convention calendar as well. Maybe there's a convention coming up in your area you didn't know about. You can go hang out there, have some fun, meet some fans. So you can find out on convention calendar. We also have Star Trek birthdays too. If your birthday is this week, who do you share a birthday with? Dun, dun, dun. You're going to find out. And we also have Star Trek news as usual. Lots of great stuff to talk about. In particular, Star Trek Prodigy got nominated for an award. I wonder what that might be. And, of course, Pluto TV is adding another Star Trek channel. And just all kinds of fun. We're going to also have our um, band shout-outs as well. So uh, give us a call at 646-668-2433 and join in the I'm your most excellent host, Uncle Jim. And before we get too far, let me introduce to you my awesome Trek experts. And we'll start off with Charles, who's in Las Vegas. How you doing tonight, Charles? I'm doing good. Ready to talk some Trek and snuggle my legs under the blanket. It's a little chilly out there. It's probably warmer in Vermont right now. Jim probably had 60s and 70s today. Unlike those of us oh, who barely cool. got out of the barely got out of the fifties, it was beautiful. And uh, we have with us uh, back together again the Three Musketeers. The Portland trifecta is with us. We'll start off with David, the donut guy. How you doing, David? Pretty good. The Three Musketeers candy bar sounds really good about right now. <laughs> or, how about a Baby Ruth? Baby Ruths are pretty good okay. too. I like those. <laughs> also from Portland, we have Paul, the wine slash toy guy. How you doing tonight, Paul? Man, I'm doing pretty good. I've been working like a like a crazy person today, but uh, but it's good. You know, it's good when you put in the work and you actually get good results and stuff's going all right. Um, uh, so a good day. Um, it's a lot. Uh, chillier uh here getting down uh, into the freezing zone at night now in the, B, the good old pnw at night which i love because i love winter 
and uh, and it's good. And there's just been all kinds of uh, magical appearances by all things toy related this week, which has been extremely fun for me. Uh, so it's been a really pretty good week. Wow, Rockland's the warm spot. That's just that's odd. <laughs> And also wrapping up the Portland trifecta, we have our very own Eric. How you doing tonight, Eric? Oh man, I am doing pretty well. And uh, you know, if we're gonna be the Three Musketeers now, I call Porthos. Uh, you guys can't have him; he's mine. Uh, so, <laughs> can I can no, I be I... Cardinal Richelieu? <laughs> <laughs> you can have you can have Aramis. You can have Ar- I, he'd be all right. He's not a bad choice. <laughs> Aramis sounds too much like male cologne. I can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> you, you can't have Porthos because Porthos belongs to Captain Archer. You'll have to be Spock. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, owned a, I owned a beagle growing up, and um, I, you know, lovely dogs, awesome hunting dogs, very cute. Those dogs love to bark and howl, bark and howl, oh, bark sure and do, howl, oh, bark God. and howl. Man, that's what they do. That's super true. <laughs> Well, all dogs love to bark. My dog bark, 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 bark. She just loves to bark. So, um, Eric, Eric, if our fans of this podcast wanted to find out what's going on in the world of Star Trek, or maybe they wanted to listen to last week's <laughs> Comic Corner, where would they go? Where's the easiest place to find all that information at your fingertips? Oh, well, Jim Logic dictates that the name of the podcast is Trek Talking. Therefore, I would go to trektalking.com on the interwebs. That's right. That's right. Paul, where would you go for all your Star Trek information? Oh, dude, I'd go to some underground speakeasy that you needed to be able to uh, <laughs> convey a, uh, a, a salacious password through a small slot in the door in order to get that information, right? So I'd lean right into that little tiny hinged opening and I would whisper tracktalking.com and I know that door would open for me and I would be allowed in they would they would pop right open that's right guys go to tracktalking.com and you'll find everything there you have bios you can find pictures of us wonderful co-hosts there as well Uh, you might see a chocolate donut with rainbow sprinkles on it maybe Uh, could be there um but uh, it's an ever-growing uh, site. I add stuff to it every day. I'm always working on it. I think I like it. TrekTalking.com. Check it out. You won't be disappointed. So if you go to TrekTalking.com, by the way, bottom right-hand corner, you'll see a link to our Facebook page. You click on that link, and boom, it'll take you right to Facebook. Our Facebook page, though, is not TrekTalking.com. I tried to get Truck Talking, could not get it. So our Facebook page is Truck Talking and Beyond. But if you just go to trucktalking.com, you can click on the link and go there. And when you get there, you will see at the top of the page a giant live long and prosper. And all you do is click on there and say, hey, Uncle Jim, my name is Jose, and I'm listening in Mexico, for instance. And every week, yours truly, Uncle Jim, We'll pick 20 lucky, lucky, I mean lucky fans. It's better than winning the lottery. What would you do with $1.5 billion? You'd rather have your name mentioned on Trek Talking, right? I know I would. So anyways, just leave your name there. If you see a heart next to your name from yours truly, then you are going to be featured on a fan 
shout out. So, Eric, you want to get us started with our fan shout outs this week? Oh, I absolutely do, Jim. Our very first fan shout out goes out to a good friend up north. Uh, not too far away, John M. Manzo is listening to us all the way from Nunavut in Canada. John, thank you so much for supporting us north of the border. I love so many parts of your country. Um, I have been around your way. It is beautiful. So uh, thank you so much, and kapla to you, sir. Uh, now we're going to shift over to the uh, next continent to the right. Linda Powell is saying hello to us from the Demsvat in the Netherlands. That's right, the country that somehow manages to be 50% below sea level um, is, is, and produced like amazing culture, amazing food, amazing architecture, amazing – what isn't amazing about the Netherlands? Linda, I love your country. I hope to go there someday, and thank you so much for listening to Truck Talking. Oscar Navarro is saying hello to us from Guadalajara, Mexico, and Oscar, we say live long and prosper to you, sir. We really appreciate your country as well such a good partner in so many ways and I know so many great people from your exact area of the country um, love them, love them, good people so Oscar, thank you for listening to us my final fan shout out goes out to that's right, an Oregon friend Michael Monroe is listening to us all the way from Klamath Falls driven through your area many times my friend, Michael, thank you so much for listening to us from my home state, Charles who would you like to say hello to? Well, let's start off with going the same direction, same direction Eric did with Marquis Hall from Mount Forest, Ontario, Canada. And let's head a little west to Missy Oakley in Anchorage, Alaska. Then well, I guess we'll head south and east for James Solis in Southern California. Just spent some time in Southern California over the the uh, Halloween Halloween weekend off in Anaheim, and finally to Michael Morrison Kerr from Port, uh, Port Orchard with Orchard, Washington. Up now, uh, back up north again, above Eric, David. Who do you have on your list? Yeah, so I got a top fan from James Peacock from Australia. Thank you for listening. I also have Paul Jarrett uh, from Minifee, California. Next on the list is Jeff Gladstone from Michigan, U.S. Last on my list is Wendy Lancaster from Australia. Paul, who's on your list? Oh, I got all kinds of I, – I got nothing but winners here today on mine. I feel very fortunate indeed. First of all, I got to yell out to get all the way across the Atlantic, but to our good friend and listener, Graham Pepper Evans, who resides in the phenomenal kingdom of Bulkaguin in Wales, up in the north part of Wales. I can tell you that Bulkaguin is actually known for being, like, I believe, the record holder of being the highest point in all of Wales on there. Believe it is the altitude record for being the highest place there. So you can see every single Doctor Who location that was ever shot in Wales. (laughs) 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 And there's a lot of them there, I'll tell you. Wales gets used as locations for Doctor Who more than I can even begin 
to count. All right. But uh, really amazing. Yeah, it is the highest village in all of Wales. And it's an amazing country uh, with a great history and uh, truly marvelous, sometimes impenetrable to outsiders language, but uh, absolutely a, a splendid place on the world to live. So I am just delighted that Graham reached out and said hello and that you're uh, a fan of the show and uh, a fan of Star Trek. So thank you, Graham. It is wonderful to hear from you. Uh, Got to spin the old globe here, go all the way down to the other side of the uh, hemisphere to Darwin in Australia's Northern Territory, a.k.a. the Outback, baby, to our good friend Matt Van Helsing. <laughs> I'm, I'm asking, you may not be missing right now because you may be out <laughs> slaying vampires, right? With That's that right. Mean? kind of a you know moniker to live up to uh, you're probably out there whittling sharp wooden stakes tonight matt but uh we hear you we speak your name and we are thrilled that you are part of our star trek family thanks matt i don't know where but somewhere in that teeming metropolis that is london back in europe carrie hills carrie hills is also a star trek and trek talking fan hi carrie how you doing I love London. I need to get back there really, really soon. I need to ride on the eye. I need to go to museums. I feel it's super overdue. And to reconnect with the Star Trek community in England. And finally for me, in one of those magnificent places on the planet, the Netherlands, in the uh, region of Quadendam, it is Tim Tross who is saying hello. Tim Tross in the Netherlands. Thank you so much for expressing your enthusiasm for both Trek Talking and all things Star Trek. It's a global community. We feel privileged to be part of it and delighted that you all are too. How about you, Jim? Well, I just want to say that all of our top fans can go to trektalking.com to find out all the information they need to know so that they never miss a podcast or their name on a future fan shout out. TrekTalking.com, the one, the only. So I want to say a couple to top fan Matt Amos, who's listening in Copenhagen, New York. Never been there. Not sure exactly where that might be. But uh, at any rate, thank you to listening to Matt, who's in Copenhagen, New York. We also want to say a couple to Melanie Jean Mayfield, who says, Originally from Eureka, California, Humboldt County, Redwoods, tallest trees on the earth, now residing in Modesta, California, a future mm. home of Bradward Schler. Huh. It's true, man. And if you, if you have not been to the Redwoods of Northern California, you have not lived a full life's experience. To me, it's like one of those spiritual places. You go there, oh, and yeah. you cannot possibly understand the scale of these trees until you get there, and then you're like, oh, oh, now I get it. Yeah, now yeah. I get Humboldt, like, what, how the whole earth completely, is Completely, yeah. dude. Yeah. Humboldt County is mythic. I mean, yeah. it is mythic. It is famous it is. for a lot of things, but <laughs> okay, it's, it's mostly else. famous for its trees. Yeah. Things grow really well there. It's also a, an epicenter for uh, Sasquatch sightings. Yeah, uh, we'll true. let you draw your own conclusions, but uh, Humboldt County is a pretty amazing place. Amazing human beings live there. Planet of the Apes is there as well. Oh, is it really? Okay. Yeah. That's, I mean, it makes sense because, the, I mean, where are you going to shoot the best trees? Right there. The new Planet of the Apes movies, that was the epicenter of the ape um, uh culture i don't know what to call it but that's where the apes (laughs) are now yeah so that's pretty cool 
So that's neat. We also want to say uh, kapla to Ernest Henderson, who's listening to us in Northern Ireland, where my grandfather is from. And last but definitely not least, we want to say hello and thank you to top fan Jeffrey Gonzagas Reyes, who's listening to us in the Philippines. Like I said, guys, if you'd like to hear your name mentioned on a future fan shout-out, just head on over to trucktalking.com, click on the little Facebook logo in the corner, you go right to our Facebook page, and drop us a line and let us know where you're listening from. Our phone number here is 646-668-2433. Just let your fingers do the walking and call Trek Talking, and we'll get you on the air immediately. And speaking of which... We have a caller on the line right now. So let me see if I can get my little old Kindle here to to do its magic. Come on, you can do it. Sometimes it's a little, hello, thank you for calling, Trek Talking. What's your name and where are you calling us from tonight? Kabla from Brother Ray. Kabla. Hey, what's up, what's Ray? Up, and matter no 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 matter guys matter I moved up now now I became Governor Ray. Governor Whoa. Ray. <laughs> wow! Congratulations. Yeah, seriously. I became wow. Governor Ray, my brothers. I became Governor Ray. The, the, the election. I became the governor of the Bronx. Well, congratulations, Governor. Your Eminence. Yes. Absolutely. So, Ray, what do you think, Ray? Ray, do you think that the you think the Mets are going to get Aaron Judge and the Yankees are going to pick up Jagram? What do you think? The other two, Roger, he go. Um, I don't know, but I mean, Roger, I mean, I mean, is he going to do this? Let him do it. And they're going to do it. So right by now, right by now, let me do what I want to do. The season's over now. Now we're doing football. But I want you guys, oh, yes. Baseball is done. Now now I got, like, two choices. Now I got, like, football, basketball. And basketball, it ain't the same. So right by now, so I'm going to do is, you know what I'm saying, I'm going to win it to see what is what. Yeah, I hear you, Ray. I hear you. You know what I'm saying? Let, let's bring this, let, let's bring this after this. You know what I'm saying? So whatever happens, is going to happen. Like I said, 2020, I'm very going to, true. Let's say, 2023, you know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm going to be 50, God willing, soon. And my truth, my, my let's just see what happens. But, you know, you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? But let's, let's see what happens. Anyway, yep. what's going on? What's going on? Going on, on, on we got tonight? Well, we're going to be talking about the Borg, Ray. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. yeah the Borg. <laughs> yep. Uh-oh. Y'all went to my favorite subject? Uh-oh. Hard uh-oh. to believe, isn't uh-oh, it? Oh, 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 yes, oh, 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 yes. You're going to my favorite. Uh, we are the Borg. Lower your shields and surrender your ships. We will add your biological and technological distinctiveness to our own. Your culture will adapt to serve us. Resistance is futile. 
I mean, it's a solid philosophy. <laughs> you will be a solid philosophy. A philosophy about a wizard being. A wizard being is trying to simulate in a cyborg land like this. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? To assimilate and then do what? What What are their objectives? Well, they 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 are clear about their objective. Their objective is to attain perfection, and they believe that if they attain all of the knowledge in the universe, that they will become perfect. That's why they idolize things like the Omicron particle, and that's why they try and take in as many cultures as they can. But I think it's very interesting that on tonight's Prodigy that we're going to be discussing later in the show, we see something that we have never seen before – which is mm. assimilation of a non-corporeal species. And I think that's very interesting because I think we, uh, we associate the Borg with cybernetic implants and lots of wetware and that kind of stuff. And here we got no wetware, and yet we got Borg that's stuff. True. So, yeah. Anyway, it's going to be that's an interesting true. discussion. Yeah, that's true. for sure. Uh, okay, 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 okay. That's true, okay. Now, okay, now, like I, said, I know the Borg, Borg history, it's like okay, okay. For my opinion, the book, the book, the book, book attempt to you know, book will do what I'm saying. That. But if they got that much knowledge for every species, I saw like the robber, the Klingon, the 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 you know the human being terrorists, everything else, right? So what are they going to do with all this knowledge? The, you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? To conquer up the universe, then, then from that point, what they gonna do from there? It's nothing. It's, it's nothing left. It's, it's nothing left. It, it's almost like I. It's, it's almost like I go to my castles, right? I order what a, a a case of thirty burgers. Okay, thirty burgers, right? Now I already finished twenty five. I got five left, and one night. So after the next five, you know, the next five days, then what? The do do again? Yeah. yeah no, I think again. that's a very, I think that's a very astute observation, Ray. Actually, because I think that you could apply that to almost anything where somebody has something in such an excess that they couldn't possibly want any more, and yet, uh, and yet they they crave more. So I think the board, you know, if they were to, we're going to talk about this later. But I'm just going to like respond no, no. to your thing that you said right now, which was that I think if the board were to assimilate every single thing in the entire universe, then mm-hmm. um, then they then they would have attained whatever their thing of perfection was. And then what do you got? Well, the only thing that's left after that is the emotion, the humanity, the other side of the equation, right? It's not all just like uh, ones and zeros and information and all that kind of stuff. They, they have a little bit of a hard time, except for the queen, understanding what it means to have a connection to another entity, and uh, I think that yeah. that's one of the things that makes all of us special, right? Because we live our lives not just through information and stuff. We live them uh, adjacent to other people, and other people are really important, which is why it's so cool that that's you call true. in every week, man. It's good to hear from you. <laughs> no, that's true. That's true. That's true. So uh, that's true. I, I'm going to call back later on about that, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to leave just this one little note before I go. I'll call back a little while. Okay. Now, 
What's next? Now, if you remember from Star Trek, the motion picture, right? What next? Other mentions like like this. Now, if the board could do all this from you know from the present position. Now, okay, okay. Let's just say they master up to the highest level. So, okay, you know what I'm saying? Okay, listen, okay. I got a quarter million dollars in my pocket right now. Now, I got a quarter a million dollars. I'm talking about billion dollars. Okay, I got a billion dollars in my pocket right now. Now, if I want more money, what I gotta do next? To go to another mansion or what? That's the only thing. I mean, I mean, that's the only thing that that might be next. If they smart enough to go for that route, that's true. Well, I mean, taking the easy way out is one way to go, right? Like always going for profit. It, like, that's living your life like a Ferengi, man. Borg or not Ferengi? Kevin Jack Sparrow. You know what I'm saying? He do his thing. He get his profit. But you know what? He want more. More, more, yeah. more, more, more. I understand that. Mm-hmm. I understand that. Yeah. I understand that. I understand that. Well, so they, there's always the alternate universe they could go into. Yes. I just said that, yes. Yeah. Or, or the universe or go back in time, whatever. If they want to just more to top of this um the um they start power trust me or the universe go back in time or whatever can believe me the believe me, the book to me uh, the book to me in the social universe is the most the highest adversary they went through but the only issue is it's every computer wise so you know what i'm saying so, so i mean so for my opinion on this one it's like you know what if they want to achieve more of their of their thinking of like you know Kong Kong universe, it, you know what I'm saying? In the end of the day, they they go higher. But what you is like I don't know if they they they, they know that part right now. It's, it's you know you know it's it's, it's, like, it's like teaching the, like a small child how to walk, and you know also they go before you walk, you always crawl before you walk. Absolutely. Very true. Very true. Couldn't agree more. That's true. Yep. All right, That's guys. True. I got. I got. So I'm gonna. I, 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 I got one more documentary. I'm gonna continue on and listen. Listen to the board. To the board. The, the board thing a little while, and I'm gonna jump in that one. All right. Sounds good, buddy. Have you seen Have you seen tonight's Have you seen last week's Prodigy? That's what we're going to be discussing. Yes, I've seen it. Awesome. Excellent. Excellent. All right, call back, brother. We'll talk it. to you soon. I've well, seen it. Go I have some history and then uh, get right back to us. No problem. I got you guys back. I'll All be, right. I'll, Catch I'll you All right. Bye. You take care. All right. Bye. Bye. That's Ray from the Bronx that's with us. And uh, you know what time it is now? It's time for...
That was not a Klingon song. All right, guys, it's time for Star Trek birthdays. And uh, this is the part of the show where we get to go back and remember some of our favorite characters, some of our favorite episodes across the decades of Star Trek, which is a lot of fun for us. And uh, we always start off by remembering those members of our Star Trek family who, sadly enough, are no longer with us. And for that, we turn to Eric. Yeah, Jim, this week we have seven birthdays that would have been celebrated uh, that we are honoring uh, during this segment of our podcast. Uh, The first goes out to, uh, I'll just say it, the man, the myth, the legend, uh, Ian Wolfe would have had a birthday this week. Uh, That's right, the actor Ian Wolfe, born November 4th. 1896, one of only 14 people uh, in Star Trek to have been born in the 19th century and actually um, died at the ripe old age of 95 years old in 1992 then, um, long time ago. So we've been without Ian for a long time, but um, Ian was, of course, uh, known in Star Trek circles as Septimus on TOS's Bread and Circuses, and also Mr. Ataz in all our yesterdays. Um, Ian was a Illinois native, uh, much like myself, and like I said, born in the 19th century, um, at age 22, joined up with the Army Man, and he's one of only two people connected to Star Trek who, have, who served in World War one. That's right. Him and Paul Fix. And if you wow. uh, if you have already forgotten who Paul Fix is, that's okay. He's only in one episode, so uh, you don't have to worry about that. He is Dr. Mark Piper from Where No Man Has Gone Before, so he's pre-McCoy doctor. So him and Ian Wolf are the only two guys in Star Trek to have served in World War One, which I just think is amazing. Um, Ian has over 200 film and television credits to his name, uh, a career spanning 56 years. You want to get into some Lucas? I mean, he he did some stuff for THX 1138. Uh, so many things I can't even start to talk about it. And like I said, died at the ripe old age of 95 years old in 1992. Um, would anybody else like to say anything about Ian Wolfe? I mean, this amazing actor was around for. Oh, years. it's 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 unbelievable. I mean, he's just one of those faces that's just like you know defines yeah. what a character actor is, man. I mean, defines it. He's been in. This is a guy everything. who like never everything. took a day off. <laughs> yeah. That's so true. Never took a day off, apparently. Yeah. Right? He was in, uh, I mean, pretty much any TV show, like a 40-year span of time he was on at some point, right? And he was in Saboteur with Hitchcock. I mean, come on. I mean, there's a legacy right there, man. Yeah, totally. I mean, he was from WKRP to The Fall Guy to Remington Steele to Barney Miller. I mean, it's just ridiculous. This guy was just in everything. And if you haven't watched uh, All Our Yesterdays in a while, I mean, it's a pretty great episode, man. I got to. You're a very agile man, Mr. Atos. I mean, (laughs) great stuff. So, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, a classic actor, uh, a classic. So, uh, yeah, uh, 19th century. How incredible is that, dude? Yeah, Yeah, so cool. So cool, born in 1896. So happy birthday to Ian Wolfe, uh, a legend, like I said. And, uh, Man, I would have liked to have met him, but uh, but he's been gone for quite a while. So, uh, happy birthday, Ian Wolf. Uh Happy birthday as well to Robert Fortier, uh, who played Tomar in the TOS episode 
by any other name. If you do not remember who that character is, that's okay. Uh, he's the guy that Scotty gets drunk and basically <laughs> takes him out of the game. <laughs> um, what I didn't know before was that his name was a pun. Tomar actually means to drink in Spanish. Uh, so there you go. Um, he co-starred previously with William Shatner himself in the 1965 horror movie Incubus and uh, frequently worked himself as an actor with uh, director Robert Altman, uh, who has a few credits under his belt, uh, including McCabe and Mrs. Miller with René Auberginois, uh, who we all know who that is. Um, he also uh, was in a couple of other films featuring uh, Ray Walston, who just had a birthday, I believe it was last week or two weeks ago. If you don't remember or didn't hear that show, that's Boothby from Star Trek. Um, so we've got some connections here. And uh, unfortunately, Fortier died of a heart attack uh, back in 2005 at the ripe old age of 78. So happy birthday, Robert. We're also saying happy birthday this week to uh, actress Jan Shutan. Uh, Jan was, of course, best known in Star Trek circles as Lieutenant Mira Romaine in the TOS episode, The Lights of Zatar. Um, very beautiful actress, of course. Um, in that episode, she becomes romantically involved with Scotty, you might remember. Um, so uh, the, the Zatarans were in there. Uh, Jan didn't have a whole ton of acting credits under her belt. She was a winner of the TV program Arthur Godfrey's Talent Scouts when she was a child, which I thought was kind of interesting. So she was a child kind of actress uh, talent scout winner and uh, was in a couple of motion pictures here and there, uh, appeared in that campy 1978 horror film Dracula's Dog. If you haven't seen that, uh, <laughs> definitely would check that out. Uh, unfortunately, we just lost her last year, October 7th, uh, 2021, at the ripe old age of 88. So happy birthday, Jan Shutan. We're also saying happy birthday this week to actor Carl Steven, who played the nine-year-old version of Spock, one of 11 actors to have portrayed Spock in Star Trek, not in Star Trek Three, but uh, overall 11 actors have portrayed. Uh, Carl was in Star Trek Three, nine-year-old Spock. Uh, in the search for Spock during that rapid aging scene where we see many, many versions of Spock, uh, one after the other. This was his very first feature film appearance, and uh, he actually, interesting, played a younger version of Leonard Nimoy in the 1991 made-for-television movie Never Forget, directed by Joseph Sargent. So twice he played something related to Leonard Nimoy, which I just think is freaking fascinating uh, that they did that. They must have thought that he looked like him as a kid or something. Uh, if Carl Steven looks familiar, he perf he uh, appeared on Webster quite a bit back in the 86, 87 back uh, days, if you watch that show. Was on Little House in the Prairie even earlier from that. Um, unfortunately, we lost him way too early, July 2011 at the age of 36. Um, he had had some legal troubles, was in prison, died of a heroin overdose. Still, that does not overshadow his fantastic performance as a very quick nine-year-old Spock in Star Trek III. So happy birthday, Carl Steven. Happy birthday as well to Norman Lloyd, who played for Professor Galen in TNG's episode The Chase. Uh, what a 
blast of an episode. I love this episode so much. This is the one where uh, Picard's old mentor comes to him with uh, the uh, archaeological find and tries to get him on his team uh, to go help him out. Just a fantastic episode. Go watch it if you haven't watched it for a long time. Uh, Norman Lloyd, uh, you are not going to believe this, guys. Guess how old Norman Lloyd was when he died? That's right. You're never going to guess. You could go to 101. You could go to one. You could go to 102, 103, 104, 105, 106 years old. Norman Lloyd lived. Not old. One hundred and six years old. We just lost him last year in May. He was born November eighth, nineteen fourteen, and lived to be one hundred and six years old. Absolutely the oldest aged uh, Star Trek actor that we've ever had. Um, and not only known in Star Trek worlds, he is absolutely best known for playing Dr. Daniel Auslander on the drama series Saint Elsewhere from nineteen eighty two through nineteen eighty eight. Um, younglings, go check out that show. It's, it's, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Um, in many, many notable films, I can't even begin to note throughout the 40s, 50s, uh, all the way up through the 90s. Um, he is the oldest living uh, known actor to have appeared in the Star Trek franchise, um, followed by actor Dick Cherney, who is only two days uh, younger than him. So, I think that's you know what's amazing. Yeah, what's that? You were just talking about Ian Wolfe a couple of minutes ago, right? Yeah. Well, guess what? Norman Lloyd and Ian Wolfe were both in Saboteur with Alfred Hitchcock. They were both in that picture together. (gasps) So, really amazing. I mean, he did another one of these guys who just seemingly just like if he was you know if he was awake, he was going to work, right? Yeah. He's just. Constantly working, but how cool that uh, if you want to check out both those Star Trek actors, there's one classic Hitchcock film where they were both in it. It just blew my mind. And Norman Lloyd actually had like multiple um, Hitchcock connections. I don't know if you know about that, but he like actually became a producer um, for Hitchcock. Um, yeah, he was in he was in like Alfred Hitchcock Hitler. Presents, right? Wasn't he on that? Yes. Didn't he, he have something yeah, to do with that show? A producer for Alfred Hitchcock Presents. Yep, absolutely. So, yeah, he was cool. in Dead Poet Society, you know, the Robin Williams film. Oh, he was, such was a one good his, movie. Oh, my God. One of his last roles, I think, uh, uh, at least his last, uh, you know, theatrical roles. But man, mm-hmm. what a what a guy. I mean, incredible. Just, you know, always played a character who looks seemingly very, you know, exemplified like ethics and character, right? One of yep. those, like, the trustworthy mentor type of character. It was wonderful. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. He's just got that face, that that face that you trust. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, happy birthday, Norman Lloyd. Um, we, I sure have had a, a good time talking about you, and what a great role for you to be the mentor for Jean-Luc Picard, who so many people consider a mentor. I just think that's a really special role, so happy birthday. Uh, moving on, we are also saying happy birthday this week to actress Irene Sale, who played Louise in the TOS episode Miri, um, you may remember that episode. Uh, what you might not know is that Irene, born on November 8th, actually started her career as a comedian uh, on the comedy series Toast of the Town in the early 1960s. Um, she, of course, is related to actress and producer Madeline Lee Gifford and uh, was in the science fi- uh, fiction film Future Shock 
if you haven't seen Future Shock, that's another one I would recommend. Um, it's kind of one of those like B movies that you just need to see in your lifetime, in my opinion. Um, lots and lots of comedy appearances for her, and she also lived to be 95 uh, years old, which I think, uh, or excuse me, no, she only lived to be 69. I apologize, uh, which I think is. Um, uh, pretty cool. She lived to be a good age, and she had a lot of different little silent bits throughout her life in many, many things throughout television. So happy birthday to Irene Sale, who did a great job in that episode as Miri, and then uh, continued that career on. Finally, our last remembrance this week goes out to actress Thelma Lee, who did live to be 95 years old. We lost her, unfortunately, back in 2012. Um, and uh, she had lots and lots of credits to her name. Um, <clears throat> she uh, was the uh, was also uh, known for being a stunt woman. Um, so Thelma Lee, thank you so much for your Star Trek contribution. Happy birthday to you! And that, guys, uh, does it for our remembrances. So uh, let's carry on to those who are still with us, Charles. Who would you like to say hello and happy birthday to? All right. Well, let's start off with I- Irene Sue, who played Kim Mary in Voice Episode, Favorite Son, and Author, Author. Well, interesting little trivia on here. Irene is fluent in three different dialects of Chinese. Also in Japan, knows uh, knows some Japanese and French. So a American who did a lot, a lot of acting in her roles. Sarah Booth, who played Lydia in Discovery's episode The Examples. Vidal Pearson <clears throat> played Romulan. To Tan in TNG's Unification, and also played Rugal in DS9's Cardassian. Zoe McLean played Crewman Tal Sierras in Boys episode Good Shepherd and The Haunting of, tw- of Deck 12. Interesting looking at hers. Uh, one of her things was she was a regular in the later seasons of JAG. Nicholas Kipros played Romulan Movar in TNG's episode Redemption and Redemption 2. Interesting. Worked as Captain Nita in Star Wars, the, the, the Enterprise Strikes Back radio drama. That that was an interesting tie-in for Star Trek and Star Wars. Lisa Berry played Kanka in Discovery's episode, There is a Tide. And then my last one, I'm going to tie in with Eric. Alfred Woodard played Lily Stone in Star Trek First Contact. Also appeared in St. Elsewhere, same TV show Eric talked about. But there's another tie-in for Paul. Paul might have her on her shelf, on his shelf. She has a Playmate figure from her <laughs> contact. Mm. But that's cool. one of her trivia. 
that's part of her trivia is the fact that she actually has her own action figure. Part of the first contact series. Alfred Woodard oh. is stunning. She is stunning. She is like the yeah. full package of talent. I mean, she is just like anything she's in, she just shows up ready to kick everyone's ass. She's a phenomenal, phenomenal actor. Well, of course, that's why they put her in first contact. So, Paul, who's on your list? All right, man. I, I once again seem to have drawn all aces on here. A lot of amazing folks on here. Uh, I got a, you know, I'm super excited about this first one. Actress Ursuline Bryant. Okay. Uh, I don't know if everyone else does this, but I have like my little list of uh, characters I wish we saw more of in the Star Trek world. Right. And uh, I love the first season episode Conspiracy. That's the one where you, you know, you find out that there's all these crazy aliens that are, you know, embedded into, you know, Star Trek Admiralty and taking over the, trying to take over the Federation, take over Starfleet. Well, Ursuline Bryant played Captain Trila Scott in that episode, right? You see her at the beginning when they're meeting on that planet to kind of divulge stuff. And she's just super cool. She's like very badass. And she is famous for having commanded the USS Renegade. And she is supposedly the person who attained the rank of captain faster than any other person in Starfleet. Wow. She's like a legend, right? A legend, right? And how cool is this when an actor is willing to do this kind of thing? Because most actors are not. Years later, in 2013, she said, okay, yeah. There was a podcast series called Starship Excelsior. Right. And she showed up on Starship Excelsior and played Trilus Scott again later in life. Right. Just because I think there were folks who recognized that this is a great character and there's a lot of fans who would love to hear more of your story. How did your art go? It was very cool that she was willing to do that. So massive. Felicitations, Ursuline Bryant. Uh, I wish there were, if, if I ever got to bend the ear of somebody at IDW and say, hey, you know, we're looking for new comic books to write. Right? Ursuline Bryant, that's a cool character, man. And, and she's a powerful Kyle, woman. Yeah. yeah, she would be phenomenal to see uh, what's the stories behind her. What, what drove her to attain the rank of captain so fast? And, uh, and what kind of other adventures did she have? I'm fascinated by that character. All because of you, Ursuline, and the work you did. So happy birthday, my friend. Happy birthday also to Samantha A. Smith, who is a recent addition to the Star Trek family, who played the Eldrith leader in the Strange New Worlds episode, Strange New Worlds, the pilot. She was basically one of the first aliens we ever saw on Strange New Worlds. Really, really cool. So uh, phenomenal, uh, you know, it's, it's, again, one of these actors who I'm always impressed with, right? You're covered under all this makeup, right? And you're still, it's like the makeup doesn't even exist. You're still able to really convey a strong sense of character, and uh, it's just remarkable. So really, really cool. Um, happy birthday to you. Um, next up, another one of those legendary character actors. Sir, I salute you. Actor Harris Eulen, who played... Uh, Amin Maritza in Deep Space Nine's episode duet. I just watched that episode <laughs> last week, okay? Because I've been kind of going back to the very beginning of the sock drawer 
for D Space Nine and watching all these episodes again, right? And wow, I mean, we're talking like you know, uh, there's so many really interesting Cardassians that yeah. don't get you know, that don't get the type of discussion or time that they deserve. And wow, is that <laughs> of, of an infamous Cardassian? Wow. That is one right there. It's an incredible performance and really wild. But this cat, Harris Eulen, has been in literally everything. Okay, he was in Scarface. He was in Training Day. Um, it, it's just ridiculous. Uh, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, uh, Law and Order, uh, Twenty Four. He had a good arc on Twenty Four, as I remember. He was on the X Files, right? A classic television series. Uh, La Femme Nikita, uh, again, you know, Deep Space Nine is what we're talking about him here for. But this is a guy who worked like a ton. Uh, Really, really tremendous actor. Uh, And it's just, if you have not watched that episode, go check it out. Go check out Duet. I want to say season two. I could be wrong. I'm pretty sure it's season two. Uh, But uh, it's really interesting when you sort of see a reversal of uh, the chain of command dynamic where a Cardassian sort of captive and talking for his life and, uh, and trying to set the record straight. It's fascinating performance. And you really see the theatrical stage training that Harris Eulen brings to the performance. So tremendous. Shipping over to a little bit uh, different type of uh, performer here. The just ridiculously staggeringly unforgettable Famke Johnson. Okay. Famke Johnson who played uh, that wonderful character of Kamala in the next gen fifth season episode of perfect mate, right? It's like her whole purpose in life is to be this perfect mate to create a wonderful diplomatic marriage. Right. But of course uh, she made a splash, not too far removed from that debut in uh, the bond movie golden eye. I'm sure a lot of folks uh, remember that from the Pierce Brosnan era of James Bond, but uh, Absolutely amazing actress. Uh, she's been in the X-Men movies, uh, House on Haunted Hill. You know, in the X-Men movie, she plays Jean Grey, a.k.a. Phoenix, right? Uh, she's uh, How to Get Away with Murder. Um, she's just remarkable. Uh, really tremendous. Pretty dang cool. So, uh, Fomke Johnson, wherever you are, I know there's a big, you know, line of people to wish you a happy birthday, I'm sure wherever you might be. And I'm one of them. So it's great. It's great that you uh, were part of the Star Trek universe here. Um, Again, going back to strange new worlds, folks who are really making uh, a huge splash in bringing Star Trek back to prominence. Let me wish a tremendous happy birthday to Rebecca Romaine, Rebecca Romaine. Okay. Uh, Who played Una Chin, who plays currently plays. What am I saying? who plays Una Chin Riley in uh, the episodes An O'Ball for Sharon, Such Sweet Sorrow, and Such Sweet Sorrow Part 2, where we first saw the character on Discovery. And uh, then she continued on, and we saw her continue on to develop that character in Short Treks episodes, like Ask Not and Q&A. And now she is a full-on series regular, and boy, did we really end that season one with a bit of a cliffhanger in terms of her fate because she's been uh, accused of a crime and comics are starting to explore what's going on with Una Chin Riley during this period of uh, incarceration. Are we going to find out what happens to her? I know we are. And uh, you got to just believe that when, uh, whenever that magic day is strange new worlds debuts its second season premiere, I'm guessing that we're going to be seeing a lot 
of Rebecca Romaine as with a gin rally in that episode. So really, really cool. Uh, welcome to Star Trek, Rebecca. It's great to have you here. And happy birthday, friend. Happy birthday also to actor Dakin Matthews, who played Admiral Patterson in the Voyager episode Relativity, a favorite of many. And then, of course, we cannot forget this individual because this guy has got it going on. This is a person who's been in more stuff than I can possibly shake a stick at. Uh, the great, the, the indelible, you look at him, there's just no one like him. Uh, Vincent Schiavelli. Okay, this actor has done so many different things. You, you, you just no one else looks like this. Well, we know you're born in Brooklyn. What do you want? You know, <laughs> everyone from Brooklyn has a certain look, right? I mean, it's uh, it's it's amazing. But he's done so many things. He's been in uh, it's it's ridiculous. We mentioned him here because of his Star Trek appearance is, as the holographic Minosian peddler in the Arsenal of Freedom on uh, Star Trek The Next Generation. But Vincent Schiavelli, Vincente, has been in just like everything. You name it. Fast Times at Richmond, Ridgemont High, The Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai, Ghost, uh, Tomorrow Never Dies, The James Bond Franchise. It's ridiculous. I mean, it's ridiculous. He is one of those faces who just kills, and he's been in just about everything. He was in the Blade Runner video game. Um, he's just uh, somebody who works a ton. I know he's been at least one X-Files episode that I remember. Uh, and uh, still working, uh, still doing all kinds of good stuff. Always a treat to see him. Uh, Vincente Schiavelli, absolutely delighted to be able to spend a couple minutes uh, wishing you a happy birthday. And that's it for me, uh, Yangs and Combs. I'm going to pass the baton over to our friend Jim. Jim, who are you going to be saying greetings to today? Well, I've got a few birthdays on my list, not a whole bunch, but I've got some really good ones. First of all, we want to say happy birthday to Keith. Sutherland, the actor who lent his voice to Sepik in the TAS episode yesteryear. Guys, if you're only going to watch one episode of Star Trek, the animated series, please watch yesteryear. He's one of the bullies that bullies young Spock. Uh, and actually, J.J. Abrams recreated that role in Star Trek 2009. He had the bully mm-hmm. bullying Spock. So uh, Star Trek, so the animated series. Yeah, when you watched Star Trek 2009, it felt really familiar, right? And but only if you had seen Yesteryear. <laughs> yeah, I hope right. DC Fontana got paid for that. Oh, I hope she did. <laughs> I hope she did. So, as if not, I'd be I'd be on the phone to the lawyer. You know what I'm saying? Get some residual. So, happy yeah, birthday, because yeah, she created oh. that. And uh, you're absolutely right, dude. Best episode ever. It's good. It's really good. Uh, we also want to say happy birthday. Speaking of Star Trek 2009, to Jason Matthew Smith, who played Cupcake, uh, Hender, 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 yeah, he was in Star Trek 2009. Cupcake? Security <laughs> I don't know where Cupcake came from. What am I hearing? <laughs> this is the guy, this, this guy <laughs> was a red shirt. He died. In every Star Trek movie, but still came back in the next one. Interesting piece of trivia. And he's the one that Captain Kirk slaps in the face and calls Cupcake in the very first movie. And they carry that through into darkness and Star Trek Beyond. And uh, he comes back in every movie, even though he died. He actually got killed in Star Trek Into Darkness by the Klingons. Came back again. 
in Star Trek Beyond. So wow. happy birthday to Jason Matthew Smith, the cupcake. Yeah, happy birthday. This next one is, is a really great uh, Romulan. We want to say happy birthday to Carolyn Seymour, who played sub-commander Tarsus in the TNG episode Contagion, a Romulan. But I think the Romulan that she brings the best life to is Commander Torres in the TNG episode Face of the Enemy. This is the one where Troy wakes up as a Romulan on a bird of prey, on a, on a Klingon warbird, I mean. Excellent episode. Uh, she also played Maritza Yale in the TNG episode First Contact. And Mrs. Templeton in the Voy episodes Cathesis and Persistence of Vision. So happy birthday to Carolyn Seymour. All right. Here's a big one, guys. We want to say happy birthday to Armin Shimmerman. And uh, Armin Shimmerman, of course, plays Quark on Star Trek Deep Space Nine. He reprised that role on Lower Decks. And, uh, oops, we lost Eric on Lower Decks. But he also holds a singular distinction for being the first actor to play a Ferengi on Star Trek. He he portrayed the uh, Ferengi as seen in the episode Last Outpost. This is when the Ferengi were kind of, I don't know, uh, wiggly, nervous, twitchy things. (laughs) And they had these blue energy whips. One of the early enemies of the the Federation. Yes. Yes. And uh, he would also appear as a Ferengi again in the TNG episode, Peak Performance. So Armin Shimmerman, uh, happy birthday. Uh, the next guy kind of took off with Wesley Crusher. And we want to say happy birthday to Eric Menyuk, who played, portrayed the Traveler in TNG's episodes where no man has gone before, Remember Me, and Journey's End. He originally auditioned for the role of Data. And funny story about him, back in 1991, my wife and I were on Sea Trek. And we were hanging out down in the uh, lounge area of the ship. And we were hanging out there with Carl Strachan, who plays Mr. Holm on Star Trek The Next Generation. And Eric came over with his wife and kids and sat down at the table with us. Um, He must have known Carl because he didn't know who we were. At any rate, uh, and that's because Carl Strachan was at my wedding, by the way. That's a story for another time. And we just sat there and we're just talking and uh, Eric and his wife went over to get something and left my wife and me and Carl to watch his two kids while he ran over to do something, which was kind of odd that we were babysitting the traveler's kids. Funny memory, but true. So happy birthday to Eric Menyuk. And uh, we also want to say happy birthday to Robert Duncan McNeil. Best known for portraying Tom Paris in every single episode of Star Trek Voyager. He also appeared on Lower Decks. But before that, he appeared as Cadet Nicholas Locarno in the TNG episode First Duty. I really wish they had kept that character on Voyager and not came up with the same background and just changed the name. I, I had to have something to do with copyrights or I don't know, but at any rate, he played the same type of character. 
But for me, you know, I'm a geek of the 80s. I love the cheesy, campy 80s movies. And and uh, this guy was in one of the cheapest, campiest. It's right up there with Flash. Ah! Uh, he was in Masters of the Universe with Dolph Lundgren, Courtney Cox, and Meg Foster. Great movie. Fantastic movie. Killer special effects. Uh, check it out if you haven't seen it. Masters of the Universe. It came out in 1987. And that wraps up my human birthdays. Now, I always save the Klingons for last. So we want to start off by saying kapla to John Vickery, who appears in TNG's Night Terrors as Andrus Hagen, and on DS9, The Changing Face of Evil, and When It Rains, and Tacking Into the Wind as Gal Rasat. But, but I told you he was a Klingon, and he was. He appeared in the Enterprise ed- uh, um, episode Judgment as the Klingon prosecutor Oric. And if you guys don't remember that episode, J.G. Um, <clears throat> Hertzler is in that episode as a defendant of Archer. And uh, he refuses to give up his honor and turn on Archer. He gets sent to Ruripenthe with Archer. When the Enterprise comes to rescue Archer, they, of course, want to take him with him. But he doesn't want to go because his honor forbids it. If he leaves, his family would be dishonored, and he chooses to stay behind. Great episode. Really, really good. Uh, Check it out. It's Judgment, Star Trek Enterprise. And the last one on my list, I think, is probably one of the best um, chancellors. Uh, you can call her mother, by the way, Mary Chifo, who played Laurel in the first and second seasons of Star Trek Discovery. I love her character. I hope we see her on Strange New Worlds again. She has this kind of dynamic with Captain Pike that I really like. And if you haven't seen it, there is a video of her dancing with uh, with Ash Tyler which I posted on our Facebook page. It's really funny. Go and check it out. So, kapla to Mary Chifo. And that just about wraps up our birthdays, but Eric has a few corrections that he wants to make. Well, I just wanted to make sure I got this part right. During our remembrances, I mixed up a couple of uh, facts. So I would just like to say that Irene Sale, who played Louise in TOS's episode, Miri, she is the woman who absolutely uh, who was a stunt double um, and uh, started her career as a stewardess, had a career mostly uh, in television, and then died of a heart attack at age 69. Selma Lee, who portrayed Kalist, in Sins of the Father, uh, was the one who started as a comedian back in the 1960s and lived to be the ripe old age of 95 in 2012. So I just mixed up the facts between those two names. Got them all set now. Thanks, Jim. Everybody's back on track again. And now it's time for Convention, Convention. All right, Eric, why don't you get us started with our convention calendar this week? Oh, man. 
Yes, we are going back to my old stomping grounds back in Beantown, Boscone 60. Can you believe it? 60 years, February 17th through the 19th. That's right, at the Western Boston Seaport District in Boston, Massachusetts, the longest running science fiction and fantasy convention in New England. Uh, you should go check it out. It's amazing. Been there, done that. Um, yes, please uh, do it again. Uh, Days of the Dead Las Vegas, the same weekend if you're on the other coast at the Plaza Hotel and Casino in beautiful Las Vegas, Nevada. I feel like I know somebody who lives there. Um, And if you want to go to this convention, this is mostly a horror convention, but do not forget that in Hellraiser 3, we had the Trill herself, Terry Farrell, and she's going to be at this convention. So you can get your Star Trek on and get your Hellraiser on at the same convention. Woohoo! And if you wanted to instead be in the Great Northwest, Fan Expo Portland is the same weekend at the beautiful Oregon Convention Center in here in Portland, Oregon. Formerly Wizard World, just 99 days away, Fan Expo Portland is a place to celebrate all I, I think we need culture. to go. We should go. We should go. It's only 99 days away, and the tickets are not that expensive. I checked it out today. So let's go, brother. Yeah, that's, that's, that's worth checking out. That'll be good. I like it. All right. That. Expect a report from Fan Expo Portland uh, a, well, a week or so after. Uh, David, which conventions are you tracking, my friend? All right. Looks like I got the Golf A1 in 2023 at, on February 17th through 19th at the Los Angeles Airport Marriott, Los Angeles, California. <clears throat> Next is QuadCon Peoria. Peoria? 2023, February 18th through the 19th, over at the Northwood Mall, Peoria, Illinois. Uh, next is the PrezCon from 20, February 20th to 26th at the Double Tree by Hilton Hotel, Charlottesville, Charlottesville at Charlottesville, Virginia. I believe that's what it is. Correct. All right, Paul, what's on your list? Oh, man, are we really talking the latter part of February already? That just blows my mind. I know. Well, I guess you need time to plan. You need time to plan. Well, a place that I'm sure will still be standing after the uh, current uh, tropical storms have fled the vicinity, uh, Pensacola, Florida, in uh, February 24th through 26th at the Pensacola Bay Center has the aptly named Pensacon. Get it? Pensacola, Pensacon, Pensacon. It just fits, right? The way that uh, our uh, podcast, Truck Talking, has the same name, trucktalking.com, shameless plug. And, uh, you know, some things are just serendipitous that way. Also, February 24th through 26th in Cary, North Carolina. Same date range, Embassy Suites by Hilton Raleigh-Durham Research Triangle. That's one of the (laughs) – in this Raleigh-Durham's, you know, bid to kind of sound like Silicon Valley. The Hilton Raleigh-Durham Research Triangle. triangle. Exactly. Where many, I'm sure a lot of good research is going on. Um, You can go to Retcon 2023. Retcon. Get it? And you'll see all kinds of cool things there. This one, though, this one particularly captivates my attention and is intriguing to me. February 24th through 27th. Again, we are talking 2023. Colossal Con Cruise 2023. Royal Caribbean's Independence of the Seas, departing from Cape Canaveral, Florida. We have been hearing for years about these crazy science fiction conventions that take place on cruise ships, 
that to me is a premise that is ripe for squeezing a movie out of, right? About mm. all these crazy fans who are like <laughs> devoted to a franchise. I can picture like a galaxy quest type of scenario happening. And if sort of something has to go wrong, right? Uh, one of the cast members is really an alien or, or there's a murder or something, but I just think it's just ripe for exploitation with that premise. So guys, if you're out there at Colossal Con Cruise 2023, leaving from Cape Canaveral, Florida, and you've strapped yourself onto the independence of the seas somehow, I'm just going to throw that out for you. That could be a great movie premise. So, you know, if you're looking for a spec script, write it up. Cause some mayhem. Do something to warrant uh, development as a feature film. If you're going to be out there independent, you know, attending it anyway, and we'll see what happens. Uh, Charles, what do you got going on in your convention campus, buddy? Well, okay, Paul, or okay, you can sit there and take Florida. Well, uh, I know a few people that are going to go to L.A. instead, and they're going to the annual Star Trek The Cruise. So instead of leaving Florida this year, we'll leave in Los Angeles, February 24th to March 3rd. The Royal Caribbean Navigator of the Seas, departing from Los Angeles. I shouldn't be able to get some reports because I've heard quite a few people going this year, especially since it's on our side of the country. And that's, but if yeah. you don't, that's if you a don't 30, your, I'll just say that's a 3,400-person ship. So if you like cruises and you like big old ships, that's the way to do it. Yep. And if you don't have your sea legs, you got Hero Hot Miami, February 25th at the Miami Airport Convention Center, Miami, Florida. Or the Tiaras and Hooks, February 25th at the Sanford Civic Center in Sanford, Florida. So, Jim, I bet you want to talk some news. Absolutely. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Incoming transmission. Enter authorization code. Command codes verified. Define parameters of program. Level nine authorization required. Specify parameters. Transfer of data is complete. Black alert. Black alert. Okay, it's time for Star Trek news. All of the stories that we're going to talk about are just the Uncle Jim abridged versions. You can go to trucktalking.com and link over to our Facebook page to read the articles in their entirety. And Eric, you're going to get us started with our Star Trek news this week. Yes, I am, sir. It is not yet a win, but it is a great nomination. Star Trek Prodigy was nominated for Best Animated Children's Series, and that's an Emmy, uh, Emmy nomination. Good news. Star Trek Prodigy has been honored with a honored with a major nomination by the National Academy of Television Arts and Sciences. Prodigy has been nominated for outstanding animated series for the first ever Children's and Family Emmy Awards. The Trek series aimed at younger audiences is going up against City of Ghosts, The Cuphead Show, The Proud Family Louder and Prouder, and A Tale Dark and Grim. Children's and family shows were previously included in the Daytime Emmy Awards, and so that's changing a little bit. And Prodigy creators and ex- executive producers Dan and Kevin Hageman have four previous Daytime Emmy nominations, including a win for Outstanding Writing 
an animated program for their series, Troll Hunters. If you have not seen Troll Hunters, I recommend it. While Star Trek shows are regularly recognized for Emmys, there have been only a handful of outstanding series nominations. Prodigy joins Star Trek the Animated Series, which was nominated for the Daytime Emmy, Emmy excuse me, for Outstanding Entertainment Children's Series in 1974 and 1975, and it actually won it in 1975, albeit there were not uh, a lot of uh, competitors out there. Lower Decks, Trek current animated series was nominated for a primetime Emmy Emmy <laughs> in 2021 for outstanding sound editing. The inaugural Children's and Family Emmy Awards will be presented on Saturday, December 10th and Sunday, December 11th at the Wilshire Ebel Theater in Los Angeles. So congratulations to Prodigy, uh, a series that is doing some special things. Uh, I think we all agree. We'll talk about that a little bit later, but Paul, I would love to hear more about what you have to say on the news front. Oh, friends, there's just always so much happening, Eric, isn't there, in terms of news? All kinds of crazy things, right? And we have found out recently, thanks to the power of uh, ridiculously, excessively well-funded billionaires and, uh, and all of their resources, that you know, space is now accessible to everyone. Right. I mean, anyone can get up there if you have enough like so scratch in your pocket. Right. It's true. Shatner's proved that to us recently more, you know, indelibly than anyone. But you know what? Here's the thing. Don't necessarily put a, a timestamp on your you know, voyage to space because you can get into space even after you're dead. That's what we're going to talk about next. Right. Because Star Trek's memorial flight has added two more names to its Enterprise mission. More of the Star Trek family will get the chance to boldly go where no one has gone before. This Texas-headquartered space burial company, Celestis, announced that their upcoming Enterprise flight would be adding more esteemed Star Trek franchise names to their memorial rocket mission. Representing a pair of respected behind-the-scenes luminaries, the flight now includes Greg Gine, the legendary veteran model maker and visual effects guru who created so many models seen in the Star Trek series, and Star Trek pioneer and associate producer and director Robert H. Justman, the person recognized as Gene Roddenberry's right-hand man, who helped land Sir Patrick Stewart as Jean-Luc Picard for Star Trek The Next Generation. Enterprise flight will blast off in early 2023 using United Launch Alliance's Vulcan rocket, carrying additional cremated remains and DNA samples of Star Trek creator Gene Roddenberry and his wife, Major Barrett Roddenberry, Star Trek engineer James Scotty Dewan, and 2001 A Space Odyssey visual effects wizard Douglas Trumbull. However, this special memorial ship is not the primary objective of the Vulcan's voyage, as it seeks to deliver Pittsburgh-based astrobotic technologies Peregrine Lunar Lander to the moon's surface. Yeah! Yes, following that primary endeavor, Vulcan Centaur Upper Stage will continue into the inky void of outer space and into a solar orbit where it shall become the remote outpost Enterprise Station. Also on board the 2023 flight <laughs> will be the initial... <laughs> Sorry, that just cracked me up so much. Also on board the 2023 flight will be the initial two prototype satellites for Amazon's internet constellation named Project Kuiper. K-U-I-P-E-R. Good, Kuiper. easy to remember Kuiper. name, Jeff Bezos. 
Kuiper? <laughs> is that it? That's how you pronounce okay. it. Yeah, I don't. I don't. All know right, fine. I'm a slave to phonetics. What do you want? <laughs> <laughs> I was just waiting for them to like define. Are we talking cremated ashes here or actual corpse so, bodies? I was no, just no, no. We're waiting talking, to we're, find that. No, we're talking cremated ashes. And what's weird to me, well, I, I, I don't want to be disrespectful, but I will say that we have read many articles over the years that have carried many ashes of many of these people up into space before. And so you'll notice that this article says additional ashes. So I'm just kind of curious about um, what what that's all about. I don't. I am too, really, and and what yeah. qualifies as uh, uh, what is the other phrase they said here? Um, what Dish, uh, DNA samples, right? Okay, because yeah. that's, that's a broad yeah. category, right? Well, it's like, you know, you got to wonder. Yeah, you, you do. And what's interesting is I, I, I feel like there is a and, – and I, I, granted, I have not researched this at all, so I am totally shooting from the hip. I, I have not looked this up. But my guess would be that there's a um, – you know, there's a certain indelibility to having your DNA shot up in a shielded container uh, into space, right? Because, like, billions of years from now when the Earth is dead and the sun is expanded and everybody's gone, uh, maybe that DNA sample is still there. And maybe maybe you're resurrectable. Um, I I love the, the meaning that people put into um, things like this, and I just – I feel like I want to learn more. This is one of those articles that, uh, that Paul just read that I kind of feel like I just want to know more about where the additional things coming from. Why are they doing this? What is the, what is the actual, like, uh, you know, goal of this mission, so to speak? Exactly, well, right? We, What's the motivation uh, behind Celestis? Yeah. Dude, there is an alien base on the dark side of the moon. Everybody knows that. We know that, Jim. That's it's that it's okay. They're looking the other way. It's fine. And yeah, but their drive through have you been there? Their drive through is terrible. I mean the service is really bad. I've, I've been backed up for like an hour and a half just to get a side of fries. It's terrible, man. I mean it's just you know, it's it's called the dark side of the moon for a reason. That's why things are no good there. Right. Well, you know, so hopefully they go. get this, uh, you know, maybe the Peregrine lander that they're sending down there is going to help bring some better tech or, you know, maybe some batteries or something or a deep fryer that can help, you know, get the thing going a little better, but something, yeah. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a cool little lander. It's not very big. It's only like as big as a human being. It's like a meter and a half or a meter and nine high and a couple of meters wide. So it's just, this, it's like a little tiny thing, but it's got those kind of classic like um, Apollo 11 feet to the lander, oh, cool. which I think are kind of cool. It, it looks a little retro to me. It's got the gold foil going on, so I like that. <laughs> We're seeing a lot of crazy stuff like this. I saw some. Uh, yeah, they're doing uh, astronauts now testing, like uh, you know, doing moonwalk testing again recently, yeah. Yeah. just to sort of you know prepare for something going on in the next couple of years, right? And the the spacesuits they're designing for these cats are nuts. I mean, they're yeah. just crazy looking. They're really, it's like. Do I really want to have like accordions where my armpits are? I'm not sure, right? It's just really wild looking. So uh, it's pretty interesting to, to just you know take a second to consider you know our mortality and the mortality of the celebrities who are part of the Star Trek universe and just like you know I'm assuming everyone asked in advance to be sent into space. It's no one's yeah. having their remains sent well, out without the you know. <laughs> I would assume so. What and are I, you and doing? I, put me in this well, thing. <laughs> well, and I think sure that. Uh, Jimmy Dewan probably signed something, right? I mean, is that fair to say? Yeah. 
his estate, I would assume there's an estate involved and some other folks made – because he couldn't possibly have known. Well, I mean I guess he could have known. Yeah, I don't know. Just speculation. Who knows? Yeah, it's wild, but it's an interesting thing, right? I mean, it's just you, you can't help but you know poke a little fun at it because it's like you know, I mean, this stuff costs billions of dollars, right? And there's just so much stuff going on, and just does seem like a uh, it's it's a curious thing. But uh, you know, you, you got to choose to look at it with a sense of uh, timelessness. I think is the right way, right? Because it's like if right. you're out there in space, you're you exist forever. And I love the idea of uh, some alien species finding this stuff and saying, oh, don't what's this then? Somebody, you know, and doing something with it. And who knows? Maybe there's a chance this brings back Greg Jine and Robert H. Justman and other, uh, you know, celebrity luminaries to uh, do more work in the future. So who knows? <laughs> Anything's possible. Well, speaking but, uh, of work in the thing. future, David, what, what do you got for us? All right. Looks like I got a piece of Star Trek Picard news for the UK. So, Star Trek Picard Season 3 UK release date confirmed by Prime Video. Star Trek Picard Season 3 has been or had had announced its UK launch date on Prime Video, reuniting a number of legends from the next generation. These final 10 episodes of John Luke Picard revival will begin streaming on a weekly basis from February 20, uh, February 17th, 2023. Amanda Plummer has joined the assembled as the mysterious alien captain of Warship Strike, Vatic, who could well be the latest big bad. Micah Burton is also on board as ancient Alondra LaForge, the youngest daughter of LeVar Burton's Jordy LaForge, while cruel summer star Ashley Sharp Chestnut plays her older sister and USS Titan helmsman ancient Sidney LaForge. Alongside Patrick Stewart Picard and Burton LaForge, we have Michael Dorn, Jonathan Frakes, Gate McFadden, Marina Sirtis, Brent Spiner, <clears throat> reprising their respective Next Generation characters, and Jerry Ryan and Michelle Hurd. Weighing in on why it's taken this long to get them all together for one last time, the card showrunner Alex Kurtzman said, when we first started, of course, the first instinct is to bring back the entire crew of the next generation. And Patrick was, ama- was amazing because he said to us, if we're going to do this, what I don't want to do is repeat old things. If we're going to get, the crew, if we're going to, get to the crew, then we have to earn it. I think we took two seasons to earn that return. What we didn't want to do was have the crew return and do sort of cameos. We actually wanted everybody to have really significant roles and wet appetites to a bit to see them together. At the beginning of the season, the crew is in a different place. Sorry, excuse me. The crew is in different places around the galaxy, and slowly we see them come together. 
These are such beloved characters, we wanted to take the time to see what they're up to now, he added. I'm really excited about this one. Can't wait for the season three. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 it's, well, yeah. Yeah, it's going to be good. <laughs> so, Sorry, uh, Jonathan and Jerry Bryan appeal to Star Trek fans to help fight patriotic cancer and ALS. November is Pancreatic Cancer Awareness Month. Oh my God, say that three times fast. And Star Trek The Next Generation legend Jonathan Frakes is lending his voice to support the Pancreatic Cancer Action Network, PanCan. This year's campaign titled Research for All of Us encourages the nation to get involved in the fight against pancreatic cancer by sharing inspiring stories, including Frakes, which highlights the urgent need for more research and donations to PanCan to support pancreatic cancer patients and their families. Frakes, who lost his brother Daniel to pancreatic cancer, understands the pain and fear the disease brings patients and their loved ones. This has driven his partnership with PanCan and commitment to the cause. 24 years ago, I lost my best friend, my brother Daniel, to pancreatic cancer. His doctor gave him six to eight months to live, saying there was nothing that could be done for him. He died a week before my daughter was born, said Frakes. Frakes also serves as a team leader alongside fellow actor Kitty Swink, who happens to be married to Armin Shimmerman, 18-year-old pancreatic cancer survivor, and her husband, Armin, I just said that, Armin Shimmerman. They have raised thousands of dollars for the organization's largest annual fundraiser, Pancan Purple Stride, the ultimate walk to end pancreatic cancer. People can support the Pancreatic Cancer Action Network by visiting pancan.org. They can also participate in a free virtual event on World Pancreatic Cancer Day, November 17th, when survivors, caregivers, and researchers bring to life some of the incredible stories about the impact pancreatic cancer research and PanCan has had on their lives. You can register for free at pancan.org backslash WPCD 2022. And Star Trek Voyager and Star Trek Picard star Jerry Ryan has launched an even more personal appeal on behalf of another member of the Star Trek family, Margaret Merzarakis. Um, who has served as Ryan Standen on Picard and recently diagnosed with bulbar onset ALS at 50 years old. Alongside TNG and Picard star LeVar Burton, Jonathan Frakes, Michelle Hurd, and Brent Spiner asks friends to visit trekagainstals.com to support her, whose motor functions are rapidly declining and will soon require round-the-clock care. Just a few months ago, she was living a vital, active life, but after the rapid initial onset of symptoms, her prognosis is now two to three years. Margaret's joyous spirit and warm heart have also made her a dear friend over the years, stated Ryan. She is going through something that with most people, deepest fears, and she is facing it with grace and strength. In all of its honor for Margaret's friends in the Trek community and beyond to help her through this difficult time, and hate the LAS Association continue its work in finding a cure for this disease. I I know someone who, I know two people actually, someone who died of ALS and another person who has it. And um, 
it's not, it's a very scary disease to get and it's very serious. So uh, if you can, please go and help out in any way that you possibly can. And Charles, what do you got going on for us? Well, Pluto TV is at it again. Launching a second Star Trek channel, edit, edit, channel adding reruns of Star Trek DS9 and the original series. While Paramount Plus subscription stream streaming service gets most of the attention, Paramount's global Pluto TV has continued to grow to be the leading free, stream, free streaming service in the USA with 70 million active users. The ad-supported streaming service Streams live with dozens of themed and genre channels with content of over 400 different media companies. This includes dedicated Star, the dedicated Star Trek channel, uh, 270, that launched in 2021, which features reruns of Star Trek Next Generation along with selected Star Trek feature films, and Pluto TV has just announced they will adding more CBS content to service to the U.S. with over 63,000 new and classic episodes, tripling the amount of CBS content. Included in this expansion is the addition of Star Trek, the original series, which will be adding to the current Star Trek channel, along with Star Trek Deep Space Nine, which will launch new more star trek channels the cbs uh, content will be rolling into streaming services over november and december it is not known if or when food tv will expand to offer star trek voyager or enterprise currently all of star trek content and pluto is available live is not part of their limited on-demand offerings in addition to the classic star trek shows Pluto tv will continue to offer Sample episodes, the new original Star Trek series, Paramount Plus Picks, Channel 210, along with additional programming from Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus Global has cited Pluto TV as one of the drivers for the new subscriptions for Paramount Plus. Yes, and that, my friends, wraps up our Star Trek news just in time to talk about Star Trek Prodigy. Let Sleeping Borg Lie, Season 1, Episode 12. When the crew encounters a dormant Borg cube, Zero risks everything to save the ship. And before we go too far, I've started to rip these off of Instagram. So uh, this is Kate Mulgrew talking about self-sacrifice. Hi, I'm Kate Mulgrew, and I voice Catherine Janeway in Star Trek Prodigy. Self-sacrifice is when we put our own interests aside in order to do good for others and is among the bravest acts in the universe. Poggle go last. You know, to protect you all. This week on Star Trek Prodigy, Zero puts their fear aside and takes on the very daunting task of joining the Borg Collective to gain valuable information. This isn't a joke. Whoever goes in might not come back. With no guarantees they'll be able to return to their friends, Zero sacrifices their own safety for the greater good. Trying to protect me was an act of love, and you should never feel ashamed for that. Without their self-sacrifice, 
the team might not have uncovered a way to disarm the protostar weapon. All right, guys, you ready to talk about some prodigy? Um, every week on our yeah. Facebook page, I ask you guys, our fans, our followers, uh, which, by the way, there's over 103,000 of you out there, which is incredibly awesome, to score this week's episode on a scale of 1 to 10, with 10 being the best. And, Eric, what did our Facebook fans have to say about Let Sleeping Borg Lie? Oh, man, Jim, we have myriad different opinions, which is why I love our page. We're getting it from all over the place because Bill Horonic said a 3.5. I get that it's for kids, but they escaped way too easily. That bothered him. Dustin S. Wing said 6.5 against the grand scale of Trek. As a kid show, every episode has been 8 to 10, but only a 6.5 for this one, Dustin. Maria Talara gave it a 9. Spencer Loom said, awesome, double exclamation point, gave it a 10. Teresa Camuso Kennedy gave it a 7.5. And Michael Foote said, pretty tired of Borg storylines, so two. Sean Johnson gave us a little wave with a 9. And Chris Troni said, 8. Happy to see them bounce back after last week with more story and character progression. For the first time, I see Dal being the leader they need instead of Gwyn. Also, no life signs at the station? Where did the station crew and go <laughs> after selfishly abandoning our crew last episode? Good question, Chris. Uh, I hope he's not dead. That would be sad. Hamizan Hassan said an absolute 10, and Paul Godsell gave it an 8. And that, you guys, gives us a combined fan score this week of 7.4. Now, that's not terrible, uh, but it's not great. Uh, you know, our inaugural episode after the uh, reboot gave us a 7.6, so this is a little bit lower. But the hosts liked last week's episode quite a bit more than the fans did. Fans give it a 7.6, but the hosts give it an 8.9, so I'm, I will be very curious to hear what the hosts do with this 7.4 this week. Well, guys, uh, we always have a cadet training, which is when we talk to you guys about episodes you can go back and watch. It'll fill in some of the gaps from this week's episode. So let's give it a shot. All right, Eric, take it away, Charles. Uh, right. I kind of sat sat and thought about this with a little research. It's like, you know what? There's actually quite a few episodes we can go back and talk about. Let's go back to the, uh, Next Generation, Q Who, Season 2, Episode 16, where Q introduces us to the Borg. Boy, Voyager's Unity, Season 3, Episode 17 is the first full appearance of the Borg in Voyager. Yes, we do see a Borg skeleton in the previous episode, but this is the first time that they actually deal with the actual Borg. Star Trek First Contact, where we meet the first queen. Enterprise, a regeneration, season two, episode 23, 
is a sequel to First Contact. Picard, Remembrance, Season 1, Episode 1. We meet the X-Borg. We get post-Voyager and post-Prodigy. I'm going to bring a discussion in later about that at scene. TNG's Best of Both Worlds, Season 3, Episode 26. Our first assimilated Star Trek crew member, Locutus. Voice in game season seven, episode twenty five twenty six, the end of the Borg, maybe, which is another point I will be bringing in. And by the way, this episode in Prodigy occurs six years after Endgame. Mm-hmm. All right, you guys ready to dive right in and talk about this episode? Let's do yeah. it. Let's do it. Well, but first, me... I go ahead, Charles. Go ahead. Go ahead and do. So, uh, go ahead and do the. So, um, as I said, I'm I'm I kind of like this because this isn't in the episodes, and a lot of people might have not seen this or heard this. So, I've been ripping the Vice Admiral's logs off of um, uh, Instagram. I'm playing him on the podcast. So this is the Vice Admiral's log from Janeway in reference to this episode. Vice Admiral's log, Stardate 61293.1. Despite his unknown species, Dr. Nome has stabilized our mysterious visitor by replicating a serum found nearby. From early tests, Nome believes his physiology may possess energy-based psychokinesis not unlike some Zalconians. Unfortunately, our guest has suffered some kind of neurolytic shock and is barely conscious. Still, we've gleaned what we can, namely that dangerous criminals have kidnapped his daughter and stolen the protostar. Chakotay's role in all this is yet to be seen. He is a survivor, if nothing else. But Chakotay would have never allowed what happened to Relay Station CR-721. Such wanton devastation. Nothing left but dust and debris. No Starfleet ship should be used as a weapon of conquest. I will find them and bring them to justice. Dun, 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 dun. Okay. <laughs> Who wants to dive in and get the conversation I started? I do. <laughs> I want to jump okay. in on because I, I heard an interesting discussion about this episode. And it got me thinking and tying episodes together. At Endgame, Admiral helps kind of shut, kind of shut down the board. In this episode, we get to meet a board cube that is asleep, but this crew does revive it. What if this this one, which may be the only one still active, eventually moves on to assimilate a group of Romulans and eventually appears in Star Trek Picard? As the artifact. As the artifact. This may be the artifact. What do people think of that one? <laughs> 
it it it's very possible, actually, because it's yeah. the only Borg cube that we're aware of that's in this part of the galaxy right now. Yep. We, yeah. I, I I'm gonna. I, okay. So I would not completely disagree with you guys, but I'm just gonna take this to a purely technical level. Okay. Because. I am an architect. I'm a spatial guy. I understand what happens here and there. So, so first of all, um, remember that this show is set in 2383, and that Picard, uh, when we see the artifact, is set in 2399. So we're looking at a 16-year gap. No big deal, right? Uh, something could have happened during that 16 years. We could have blown it up with super emotions. But if you look at the cube that comes out in Prodigy, it has a sphere port, which is a little bit different from most of your standard cubes. Most of your standard cubes just are cubes. And the sphere port, the only time that we've ever seen a sphere port in a board cube was during what? first contact of course right where they launched the cube after they destroy or excuse me launched the sphere after they destroyed the cube so if you look at this particular cube and you look at where the sphere port is located because they show it very clearly in this episode that this this one is not just a cube it has that sphere component um it's outside the realm the range dimension of where it should be located relative to Picard's artifact, because you'll remember that the corner of Picard's artifact is completely destroyed, and it's actually filled in by shields uh, in in Picard, and the sphere port doesn't geometrically work out to be in the same place that it should be. So I love the fact that there might be a connection between Prodigy and Picard, but I'm telling you right now, I don't think there is. I really don't. It's a different cube. Well, to, to take that in another direction, how do we know that the Borg sphere isn't on the other side of the ship? Yeah, no, that's fair. But um, I guess you would have to say, okay, in Star Trek Picard, when they showed the artifact, why didn't they show the side that had the sphere port? Why didn't they acknowledge that at all? So you could be looking at the opposite side there. But Prodigy is the one that clearly shows that it is – to me, a different cube just because it has a slightly different look to it. And yeah, 16-year difference. This one could move on to try and assimilate some Romulans and then get destroyed by extreme emotions because I do like some of the theories around parallels between Picard and how that cube got destroyed and how this cube kind of got uh, mitigated by zero, let's say. Yeah, well, you know, I, I I totally hear you, but you know, there was that one article that was on Trek movie, right? That that got shared around. I think Charles put it up, right? I mean, the if if you read through the thing, right? Um, oh God, who was it? He's like the prodigy head writer, basically, right? Aaron Watke, and he weighed in on this, and he didn't exactly come out and confirm it, right? When you know, so we're calling out the design aspects, but but he pretty much gave it a strong maybe, and you know, tying into a string of events, right? And uh, it sure seemed like he was endorsing the theory pretty heavily. So I, and it could be one of those things that, that like, you know, wasn't like by design or intent, you know, not that they have the most 
you know, uh, thorough pre-planned mesh ever for every piece of storytelling going on over there. I mean, who knows? But but when somebody raises the idea, they're like, well, maybe it is. <laughs> they're willing to play along. But he seemed like he was definitely uh, willing to, uh, you know, lend more credence than not to the idea. Well, Paul, and he's like the head prodigy clear. writer, right? It, no, it's no. it's true. Uh, but it was but it was the innuendo. And what I would seem, or what I would think, is a little bit more clear, at least from the evidence that we've been prevented or presented so far, is that this is the same cube that we saw in Endgame. I think it is. I think it's. I think these Borg that we see asleep on this are the same Borg that get put to sleep by her virus at the. Could at the be end both, of- though, right? I mean, is yeah. there a chance it could be both? That is the end of the one from Endgame is still the one from the artifact is still the one here. It's why just did one they single so sleeping cube. I know. Why did they so prominently show that sphere port in Prodigy? I don't know. It, it, it could be. I'm not saying well, it's I, not, but I think that the fact is that maybe they just – that's how Prodigy decided to create their cube. But the fans are looking at it. But can we tie this cube into Picard? And I don't think it might be Prodigy purposely did it, but Prodigy may turn around and say – well, we didn't mean to do that. But yeah, they're going to wreck on it. The fans got the yeah, great maybe. idea. Why don't we go ahead and mm-hmm. let the fans go with it and say it is fact? Why not? Yeah, yeah. that seems uh, that not? seems legit, Charles. Yeah. Why totally. not sit there and why not just sit there and maybe have a little Easter egg that might sit there and say, "Hey, fans, there's a tie-in that you might want to go see for Card and what happens in the future." But then again, we only saw the Borg sphere in first contact. We never saw the Borg sphere on any other Borg cube that we've ever seen. So obviously when they made it, they didn't know about the Borg sphere because they couldn't put something there that hadn't been created yet, right? Right. And in Prodigy, they clearly show it. So I guess that's my argument. But then again, we could be looking at the... Southwest corner of the yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, totally. I think this is the so. new triple Borg. They're starting their own empire. Oh my God! Yeah, Here he goes. The... He's bringing the so, triples into it. <laughs> let's 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 talk about my favorite character on on Prodigy Zero. Let's talk about Zero. Mm-hmm. I love Zero. Yeah. Zero is mm-hmm. the ultimate, and Zero. It's assimilated. Let's talk about that. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because he's a he's essentially a non-corporeal hey. entity, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. yeah. He's not he's not tangibly physical. They yet are. somehow he was still able to be. I mean, the way they uh, portrayed it, especially when he breaks loose in his you know they. moment of gestalt at the end there, he kind of breaks loose like a physical entity, like he is tangible, right? Pushing away from the right. crazy tentacles, the Doc Ock tentacles, right? But yeah, uh, but it was just. You know, I don't know how literal some of this stuff is meant to be, right? Because it's really just meant to be like his his will and his there. you know his his there. strength of character and his ability to like connect with the others that he's bonded with is what gives him the strength, right? I mean, think that that feels like a, the message for a, a young viewer show that they're trying to con, you know convey, right? And I, I agree. I thought it was really really interesting. Um, for, of all the characters they could have chosen to uh to be the one who are to make the selfless act 
right? And to willing to say, I'll be, I'll risk being assimilated. I thought that was the best choice because it's like he is probably the one who has the, the best chance of escaping it because of the nature of his entity, right? And who knows? He could just freak them out if they get a good look at him and they're all toast forever, right? I mean, so who knows? But, but uh, I thought that was really interesting and it just it felt more science fiction to me, more like, you know, classic science fiction. Him would be the one who does that. And he's, it's, it's altruistic and it's, it's brave. So a really cool choice for that character. But I agree. Zero is fascinating. And I really like Gwen in this episode because she saves them all by resisting her instinct to fight. And, uh, you know, um, uh, Janeway says to her, well, not Admiral Janeway, but hologram Janeway, tells her to put away her weapon and do not fight and they'll ignore you. And at first she's kind of like, well, that's a load of crap. I'm going to fight them anyways. And then she retracts her blade and walks right through the Borg. Well, there, there, there was the one Borg at the end that kind of turns and gives her the stink eye a little bit, but she gets by him. And uh, Janeway has proven right that, you know, the urge to fight isn't always the best one. I thought that was a, a really awesome character moment for Gwyn right there. Would you guys agree? Yes, I agree. Yeah. And then, yeah, it was course, interesting that they, you know, from, from what we were used to seeing, they couldn't really assimilate people by, uh, you know, injecting them with the little nanites like we're used to seeing. And they sort of suspended that ability, right? So it's like when you see them all in jeopardy, you know, in the last act, right? They're all sort of strapped down to some, you know, like being tied to the train tracks device, right? And, you know, more of an old school Jeopardy thing. They have to be sawed loose from. But do we know why they didn't have the ability to use their conventional nanites? Is that from, you know, disabled in the same way that we know from Voyager? Or well, do we know what that's about? No. Well, the nanites attack organic matter. And the thing with Zero is that it's an interface between a non-corporeal being and technology. So we don't really have an actual um, precedent for that. Um, in oh, I know that. Practice. But I mean, when they caught everyone else. Right? Everyone else is tied up to some big hub thing. But they they never were injected with nanites, which usually the Borg do the second they get a hold of you, you're within reach, right? Like the big rhinoceros-looking Borg, right? He's got a hold of everybody. I was expecting somebody to get popped with the nanites, but it didn't. Well, the article article that uh, was on the Facebook page said that when Janeway disabled them with her nanolytic virus, that essentially what she did was she killed all the nanites. They, they didn't, she wiped them all out. So they uh, no longer had that ability. So they had so to go they back had to, to figure out an alternate method to assimilate. That was more like surgical then. Okay. Right. Hmm. So the, the kind of like what they did to Locutus in the best of both worlds. And now uh, that's the way they, hmm. and that's why, that's why people assumed that this cube is the one that we see in Picard because it didn't okay. have the technology anymore, you know. So that disablement is a result of what Admiral Janeway did in the finale then of, yes. of Voyager. Okay, I got to go back and watch that again because it seems like I'm not remembering all those details, which is which is cool. It'd be fun to look at that again. So uh, and very and very interesting. Awesome. Would it be if Admiral Vice Admiral Janeway comes face to face with the Borg that she annihilated at the end of Endgame? 
you know, because she she's there, the Borg are there, so she could meet up with the Borg again. It's possible. It's very possible. But anyways, so let's talk about the weapon that that um, the Diviner put in the Protostar. And the whole reason why they go to the Borg Cube in the first place is to get the technology to disarm the weapon so that they can go to the Federation because we saw what happens when the Protostar interacts with Federation technology. It causes it to go haywire and self-destruct. So therefore, the Protostar cannot come in contact with any other Federation technology. It would be disastrous. So they go aboard the Cube to get information to disarm it only to find out it's not possible. They can't do it because I forgot the exact reason. It's built into the, it's a self-replicating intelligent virus or something like that that's, that's part of the ship. I don't remember the exact reason. Yeah, I don't really get the reason. Yeah. Yeah, they just called it like the living construct, right? That was the name yes. for it, right? They, he referred to the weapon as a living construct, and Jankum Pog tries to shoot his phaser at it, but it basically they kind of say, oh, it can protect itself. But then we didn't really get a lot of other detailed information about what that was or how it did it. But, you know, the good news is it didn't just, you know, uh, reflect his, you know, phaser fire right back at him and and kill him. So that was good. It's just more defensive, I guess. It just defends itself. Right. Was that your take on it? Yeah, that's I I was thinking to myself, why why don't they just beam it out into space? You know? But then it's I'm thinking, well, they talk, get a lock on it. They talk yeah, about it's how got... it's in a... Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead, David. Well, I was going to say, maybe they couldn't get a lock on it because they did mention that it was um, from the future, so maybe there's something blocking transporters or could be something from, like, maybe it's control. I don't know. <laughs> I thought somebody said could... some comment oh. about that the reason they didn't beam it into space because it would be, like, irresponsible. That it would basically, it would be like, I, I can't remember if it was a hologram Janeway or somebody said, That's like, basically said. if they did that, it would yeah. be like throwing your trash out the window. That it would just be leaving it. It would still be active and someone else would just end up running into it and yeah, they didn't want to too. toss their problems out on someone else. So it was kind of this ethical choice was what I got. I'll have to go back, I'll have to go back and yeah. watch it. Well, Does anyone else remember that? Yeah, no, no. Paul's 100%. So. Yeah. I think so. I think that's right. I'm 100% right. That never happens. Come on. That, yeah, don't, don't tell your wife that, for Jesus. God's sake. Go buy a lotto ticket. <laughs> well, guys, uh, we, have, uh, we have our buddy Ray back with us. Hey, Ray, what's going on, buddy? Hey, Ray. Hey, what's up, Ray? Yeah, bud, How you doing, Ray? Because why don't you, I heard everything, and you know, even though I'm off tomorrow, I heard everything for about an hour and a half. What about the boy and else? But I mean, but I mean, but here goes. Okay, right by now. Okay, I I just been watching. Okay, I did my homework. So so I watched the Q who we were true because Q was Q was 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 heated. Not you know what I'm saying? Not because. Join cool and and, and to, he joined to the wolves, but something is not supposed to be met yet until they reach their universe. So, promise you, 
this kind of like um, American history, if you really think about it, it's kind of like how, you know, how World War One or World War Two began. Let's say World War One, World War Two be in all wars, right? Okay, well, I'm saying that. But World War Two, when Germany, where Hitler came in, came, came in power, what happened? We got involved. The same thing in Vietnam War, the Korean War. Everything about this is like the same thing. We got involved when we should not be involved. Everything. So, well, to the end of the day. Why are we, the, uh, okay, because of him, all of this should not be happening until they reach that point and they say, okay, we are ready to do this. No, they drove them on for something that they didn't know what's going on. It's kind of like me going on a, a, a blind date, but I don't know what this girl want to do. I don't know this this girl like chicken or a tire. I don't know if this girl want to be, you know what I'm saying, you know what Star Wars or freaking a, a, a pre-part. This, for <laughs> my opinion, this this how I look at it in a way. So the project I saw with Jimmy was a stupid act in a way. And I said, I love you, I love Jimmy there. I said, and so, 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 Roger, they was going, what, missing in Facebook, what, five years? And you pick up a, a, a ball, right, and, 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 and you try to get home, in a way. Now, it's kind of like one of like Lost in Space, where Dallas Smith trying to do so much more, more damaging. But the, the, way, so the end of the day is the outcome. So, 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 I turn on from my theory, I agree with everybody. For a past hour and a half, I've been listening to. But you know what? At the end of the day, it's like, why? Why she got to sacrifice her life for something like you know, like it's no purpose? When my car was became accused, right? It took data, data, data bring him back. And what happened after that? Data was dead, and it was certain names, right? He's dead, right? Because for Android, he's not even human. No heart, no nothing. You know what, though? You know what, though? That, you know, that's a friend that, you know what, I'm going to look out for him. I got no heart, no nothing like this. I, I agree with that. So, there is still so, 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 with the board, the board, the board situation. They are cold, hard as everything else, and even though there is a TV show. But even though it is reality, it's the same thing like this. I'm a black man. And uh, I, yeah, yeah I, I, I'm a black man. Now, if a white man asks me, you need anything? I would say yes. You know why? Because we, because we are human beings. We need, we need to help each other. That, 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 that was about. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. From that point. Which, like I said, I talk to you guys every week. I talk, uh, 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 you know what I'm saying? I'm a good, good with my buddies, right? But you know what I'm saying? But you know what I'm saying? But you know what I'm saying? But in the day, this is why this whole world is like you turn around, it's like you know what? Let's say I'm not. Listen, you don't know me. I don't know you. We talk every. We talk. We talk on podcasts. And like you don't know what I look at, I don't know how you look at it. But you know what I'm saying? In the, the day, yo, 
Yo, we talk and peaceful terms, nothing. That's about. And then, and like I said, and, 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 and like I said, this gonna be twenty twenty three, right? And we still doing this. This, this is ridiculous. So, for my final note, before I go outside and do what I'm gonna do, I love you guys. I still support y'all. I also call y'all every Thursday. Sometimes, sometimes, like you know, like you know, once a month. You know what I'm saying? Because you know what? Because you guys right here or an inspiration to everybody everybody on podcast because even though I'm a trucky but sometimes at the end of the day it's a lot of truth. Watching a TV show is a lot of truth. Absolutely. A and we appreciate you we appreciate you calling Ray. We really appreciate it. Anytime, my brother. Anytime. Well, thank you. Thank you so much, Ray. Anytime. You have a good night, buddy. You too, Enjoy your night. All right, guys. So, Star Trek Prodigy, Let Sleeping Borg Lie. Overall, Charles, what would you give it in reference to what our fans, what did our fans give it? 7 point, what were the fans score? 7.4. Where would you put it, Charles? Uh, their escape kind of puts it a little too easy. It's a little bit predictable on the end. But overall, with stuff they did with it, I really enjoyed this episode. I'll go with an 8.5. 8.5 from Charles. How about you, Eric? Yeah, I'll give it an eight. Uh, good story, uh, possible tie-ins. It, uh, to me, embodied a lot of good Star Trek ideals uh, in the teamwork that they they uh, put together. So, yeah, it's a solid eight. Eight. David, what about you? I'm going to go up there a little higher than last week. Um, I actually enjoyed this one. Much, much more. Um, it was a little predictable, as Charles said. Um, but overall, I enjoyed it. I liked the sequence from beginning to end. Uh, it was actually keeping me on my seat quite a bit. Um, so I'm actually going to give this one a 8.9. 8.9. Paul, how about you? I think yeah, I'm landing on an 8. I think a solid 8. Um, there's some stuff about it that seemed a little, you know, familiar. Uh, it's like if I never had seen a Borg episode before, I'd be like, holy Mary, this is amazing. But, you know, we've seen a lot. And I don't know that it brought a huge chunk of newness uh, to Borg development. It was sort of a way of, I think, introducing them to the viewers on this show who maybe don't know as much about Star Trek and the whole overarching Borg mythology. So I think it probably was existing as an episode to serve that, to introduce them to that larger universe, which presumably, if you're having an episode like this, uh, we're thinking that we're going to see more of the Borg again, kind of like what's going on with uh, the Gorn on Strange New Worlds. So I th- but I think they did a pretty good job with it for the most part. Um, again, likability of the characters is uh, what keeps me coming back. So I think an eight for me. Yeah, I'm I'm right around Charles. I'm going to go with an 8.6. 
for an introductory episode meant for kids that have, don't know much about Star Trek. And like Paul said, if you've never seen the board, this would have opened your eyes. Um, I thought the mood was great. It, it really scared me in a couple of points. I was like, wow, this, this is pretty intense for a kid. And I, and I enjoyed it. I really, really enjoyed it. So I'm going to go with any point six, which is uh, very, very respectable. So I just want to let you guys know that that rounds up to a fan score of 8.4. So once a week, once again, uh, we're higher than the fans. So there you have it. And I'm really excited. I got to let you guys know, go to trektalking.com because on Monday, Monday, we're going to be talking to the one, the only Spice Williams Crosby right here. Same bat time, same bat channel, 730. Vixus from Star Trek V, The Final Frontier, the best ever Star Trek movie, and she's going to be here to talk with us. Uh, so have your Klingon ready. Have it in speed dial. Give us a call. Talk to Spice. She doesn't bite unless you want her to. Uh, she's really delightful. She's really funny. She's great to talk to. And for our 500th episode, I thought, who else to have on? So she'll be with us on Monday at 7.30 p.m., Eastern Standard Time, so you definitely want to be. Hey around Jim, real quick, for that. quick question, man. Isn't today four ninety eight? Yes, yes, it is. So how is Monday five hundred? Because Thursday would be five hundred. We couldn't get spice for Thursday. We could only get her for Monday. So it's four ninety nine on Monday though, because right. We're and celebrating then... five hundred on four ninety nine, and we'll do the rest of the party on the five hundred. Yep. Yeah, exactly. I'll, I'll, so we're just I not will, going in chronological order because of yeah, the well, specialness of spice. No or, or Jim can host a special show, special little mini trek of his own on Saturday and make it 500. <laughs> just trying to yeah, follow gonna, it, man. Just trying just try to understand. I'm in, the, I'm in charge of the episode numbers, so that will be episode 500. <laughs> and Thursday's show will be episode 499. So when they you line are up holding time and space, sir. I love it. Okay, yeah. cool. It will come out as episode. It'll come out as I know our audience is asking these questions, so I feel I must as well. <laughs> it's the temporal. It's the temporal effects of the cold. Yeah, war. it's an anomaly. <laughs> it's, it's, it's. I'm with you. You've gone through the Atavacron, Jim. Okay. <laughs> so, anyways, uh, I want to say thank you to Ray for giving us a call tonight and and chatting with us. Thank you so much, Ray. And I want to say thank you to Paul for hanging out and Trek talking with us tonight. Thank you, Paul. My pleasure. A delight. And uh, I haven't watched Prodigy yet, but I'm going to watch it as soon as we finish up here. And thank you to David, the donut guy, for hanging out and Trek talking with us. Thank you so much, David. Yeah, this has been really fun. I enjoyed it. Thank you. And thank you to Eric for hanging out with us as well. Thank you, Eric. You bet. Thanks, guys. And thank you so much to our very own Charles, who's hanging out in Las Vegas. Thanks for Trek talking with us, Charles. Oh, thank you very much. Always fun. And I want to send a special fan shout out to our very own Shannon, who's been very, very busy as of late and hasn't been able to join us. But there's always, always a table at the captain's chair for you, Shannon. So thank you for listening to Shannon. And I'm your most excellent host, Uncle Jim. Just saying to everybody, please go to trucktalking.com. Very easy to remember, trucktalking.com. And please stay safe and be good to each other. Star Trek fans, 
are the best fans. Hailing frequencies are closed. Good night, everybody. Good night, all. Prosper. Good night. Let's see what's out there. Engage. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.